What'd you say? New Greenwich. That's what it's called. Greenwich? This is Maui Wowie. Uh, so it's <laughs> <laughs> My favorite movie is that I can't decide on a favorite movie. Press next podcast. Heyo, I'm Katie. And it's your co-host Corey, and this is, like the intro said, the Press Next Podcast, and we back, baby. Welcome back to another week of the Press Next Podcast. Yes, indeed. You got two episodes last week, so hopefully we made up for the the episodes that we missed, because I was sick. I'm sorry. But okay. um, I was I was losing weight, y'all. <laughs> it's too much information, but I was losing weight. But we back now. My stomach is great. Uh, feeling better than ever. And I hope that y'all enjoy this episode because it's a true crime episode. It is. And you know, I know how y'all feel about true crime. The PMP goes. Goes true crime. Goes true crime. I, know, I feel like we need to add some music in right here to get a little creepy, you know, like the <laughs> shout out to uh, Crime Junkie. We're not Crime Junkie, you know, we're not super dedicated to that. I think we'll, we'll talk. Morbid. Yeah, Morbid too. Morbid too. Shout out to Morbid. You know, I think you're more of a fan of Morbid than I am. I definitely am. Uh, but we're not dedicated specifically to that. So we'll talk a little bit more just about that documentary that we watched. And then some of our own thoughts. But if you are new here, welcome in. We are a weekly film entertainment podcast dedicated to giving you that fix where you feel like you're just talking to your friends about, you know, shows and movies and and documentaries and everything else. But um, we're going to discuss the real life application. So if that is you, welcome to the show. Please, please, please drop a review. Give us a rating. Tell a friend. Um, whatever it may be to kind of put us a little bit further on the map. Thank you all who are in the fourth wall, who have been members since the beginning, uh, who have been here for a couple of weeks, who are back here again. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining back in. And if you have not watched this documentary or anytime we are talking about anything, you do not need to watch what we are talking about to hear the conversation. We just think that it will enhance the show if you do now i think one of the things that we'll start doing is um prior we'll let you know what we're watching so you can watch it before Mm, too yeah that's a good idea so for instance post on our instagram yeah we'll post on our instagram we'll let people know we'll drop it in the discord if you are a member of the fourth wall uh ahim ahim so uh but anyway we will let you know so if you have the weekend you want to watch something you can watch that and then kind of see Uh, what exactly we're talking about so you won't be either behind or anything else but as we would normally start the show you know what i'm gonna ask you what you've been watching this week um so this week i have been watching american horror stories yes yes so we've been watching season two of that the first and second episode have released Mm -hmm. and they are great yes dollhouse was good yeah um and then the second one was about essentially like the ring um doorbell camera doorbell camera which y'all literally we watched that episode and, and then yeah, our neighbor got across a mind you we're on an apartment we're in an apartment building and the only people in our breezeway on our floor are us and the neighbors across from us and they installed a ring doorbell camera. And I'm like, it's crazy. That and happened. we're at the top. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, think it's, I get it. They're, they live there alone, but 
I feel more safe because <laughs> it's right on our door. You know what I'm saying? I don't saying? know. I like feel if you watched. St- if you stay in, yeah, but I mean, all right, here's how I think about it. This is how close we are. If you stand in the middle of the hallway, I got a six, seven wings, wingspan. I can probably touch both doors. Yeah. It's not a very right? big hallway. So the camera is very personal. Right. So <laughs> every time I walk out, I say good morning to it. And they are very nice girls. They are very nice girls. Um, and we enjoy them. And so for me, I'm like, yo, that's, if something happened to our director, just ask them for the footage. So that's I feel true. a little... I thank you for getting the ring for us, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but we don't have to do it under the spirits, you know? Yeah, uh, from That the may or aura. may not come. Yeah, from the aura. So, been watching that. Um, I didn't watch the first season of that, but I've been catching up of American Horror Stories. Now, if you are unfamiliar, this is different than American Horror Story. Story. Yeah. It is the same premise. It's just like a... a anthology anthology kind of like black mirror yeah it's a watered down black mirror where it's just like a different episode is different it's not all the same season like in the first season the first two episodes are connected and the last episode are connected to the first two and then the rest of the episodes are standalones and then so far in the second season the first two episodes are standalones and sometimes the standalones connect to a season yeah Sometimes they don't. Like so, in one of the standalones, the witches came in and I was like, oh, Yeah, from Coven. Coven. It was uh, old buddy's story. I forgot the character's name who was in Coven who cut his tongue off. He's like the the maid of the house or whatever, mm-hmm. the butler or whatever. Um, it's pretty much his story, um, his childhood story. So I have been enjoying that, but that was good. Yeah. So American Horror Stories, um, The Bachelorette, of course. Oh, Bachelorette. I'm that. hooked now, y'all. I can't stop talking about it. Thanks for letting me in the group me. I'm hooked, but also like over it already. Yeah. And it's only week three. There's so much drama and all they do is cry. Mm hmm. Hey, y'all, I'm not a, I'm a fan of like a a good emotional cry when it makes sense in like a movie or something like that. And y'all get me choked up. Mm hmm. But. Crying just to cry. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a fan of that. I'm like, uh, what, what that girl say? Y'all weak in the knees, stand up. That's what I feel like. I'm like, stand up. Let's go. What are you doing? What's yeah. going on? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I feel like you haven't been I haven't. Uh, on the TV a lot. I've been watching. I watched Deep Blue Sea because I had to. Because we talked about it for a short week. So I, yeah. I got to watch Deep Blue Sea. Um, so I watched that. And I've been doing a movie trivia series on Instagram uh, Reels and TikTok and a lot of those movies, I've started to just like, like line up. Mm-hmm. Yesterday's was Codename the Cleaner. Um, so by the time you hear this, it would be last week's was Codename the Cleaner. Um, and so I started watching that. I've been watching In the House. Okay, y'all, let me, this is just my little nostalgia. When I was growing up, a young, a young boy, and I was born in 1990, okay? In the House started maybe 1994 and, and ended in 1999. Um, but when I was a young kid, I used to religiously watch In the House, and I was like the only person in my house who used to watch In the House. Really? Yes. So it was like a show that like nobody enjoyed but me. Interesting. And in the first season, it was also crossovers between In the House and Fresh Prince. So Carlton oh. Banks was there. Uncle Phil was a lawyer one of the episodes. Really? But then Alfonso, however you say his last name, comes in in the third season as a different character, mm. and he becomes a regular on the show. I don't like when they do that. Right. But it was only so when Carlton Banks came in in the first season, very forgettable, like cameo. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't like he was, you know. Okay. That's forgettable. Like heavy in the show. But I hate yeah. when they put somebody in there and try to act like it's not the same, like the a same different person. person. <laughs> or, or like with Aunt Viv, 
you put a whole different person in there and you want me to believe that right. that's Aunt Viv? And they didn't address it. Okay, one of my and favorite... And didn't address it, yes. Because didn't they do that My in, wife and kids? Not my wife and kids. Like, House of Pain, I think. I, maybe, but I know distinctly in my wife and kids, Claire, the first season Claire and second season Claire and are two different Claire's. Really? Yes. The, I mean, completely whole different. One is very dark, one is light-skinned. And in the first episode, when you get to see the new Claire... They make a joke about it. She comes down the stairs and um, uh, Michael Kyle, who's the dad, goes, hmm, there's something different about you. So it was like uh, the... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It, it was like... They, the, they addressed it? Yeah, it was acknowledgement of like, okay, this is obviously a new Claire, but it's still Claire Kyle. So I like when they do that. But this one, I think, was so far removed because the first season was years before and he was only in there for a little bit that it kind of... It doesn't really matter. So I've been watching In the House. I'm already like halfway or almost done with season three. It only made it to like five seasons, I believe, or maybe four seasons. And this is back when seasons were like... Long. Yeah, like 28, 30 episodes. Yeah. Um, so I think they had 70 total, 75 total episodes or whatever. Nice. Um, but the, And it was like one of the network shows that was only 20-something minutes long, so each episode was quick. And it was LL Cool J. Um, uh forgot the Wayne's sister name. Gosh, it was Kim? Was it Kim Wayne's? Oh, I'm so mad if I mess this up because I love the Wayne's family. Uh, also, we have been watching... Um, what is it? What is it called? Main Main Cabin Masters. Oh my gosh, y'all! We found another fixer upper show. We're hooked on it. Yeah, it's basically they flip cabins in Maine. So I guess in Maine, like having like a cabin or a camp is like a thing where well, because there's a lot of water, right? So there's did y'all know that the state of Maine? Oh wait, I forgot the fact. Oh, <laughs> uh, she was ready to go hard. I was, I was. The state of Maine has like the second. Or it might be the the most mile of coastline, the state with the. No, no, no. It has to be I'm about the to second. Got to be like California. It has to be, be the second. One. No, it's the second behind Florida. It got more coastline than California. Yeah, that's wild. Well, because if you think about it, the coast goes all the way around the state. At the top, does that count though? What if it become like a like a Gulf or something? You know what I mean. Yes, it counts. I guess. I guess. I mean, so. does Texas? That's coastline. Yeah, but you don't count Texas as a coastal state. You know what I mean? I mean, that's true. I, f- I feel like if but it's then, a, if you step into a if you step into a sea or a bay, it ain't the coast. But <laughs> you got to step into the ocean. I did. I do know that if you count all of the islands, because there's so many islands off of Maine, right. that are still considered Maine, like we saw uh, on the show. Okay, I guess that makes if sense you, too. But that's without it. It's second without that. If you counted all of that, it would surpass all of it by like 5,000 miles or something like that. That's crazy. Shout out to Maine. You'll be in Maine soon. Um, I know. But shout out to Maine. But we like it. It's a show they go out there and seemingly on like not big budgets. They get like, oh, like $30,000. We have $25,000 or $30,000 and they be flipping these cabins. I mean, new roofs and everything. And they look great. They did one on like a little island. It was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, that's on uh, Discovery. Like Katie says, if you want to really, if you're going to put your money behind one of these streaming apps, put it behind Discovery, man. Shout out to Discovery. I just need mm-hmm. Discovery to put on my boy. Billy the Exterminator. That's it. That's all I want to see. Oh my gosh, that's all you want. That's all I ever talk about. I want Billy the Exterminator, man. Start a petition. Put Billy on Discovery. 
Put them on something. I'm trying to watch Billy the Exterminator. And not on no uh, third-party app, neither. Shout out to Tubi, though. Um, but, yeah. Okay. I, f- I just fact-checked myself. Thank you. Maine has the fourth most coastline in the country. Okay, what's the top With 3,478 3, miles of coastline. Alaska. Okay. Obviously. Um, if, uh, oh, whoa. New York. Florida, obviously. Louisiana. I just don't. Because it go out into the Gulf? I guess because of the boot. That's what I'm saying. Go out, right? Like, But even then, I just still don't be counting that. But I guess so. So Alaska, Florida, Louisiana, then Maine. Where California at? I don't know. Let's see. How the hell California not on this list? And it's the third biggest state. Well, because if you think of all these states, they have coastlines that go, that wrap around the state. California only has the outer part. Yeah, but it's still the third biggest. How many Maines can you fit in California? Um. Okay, hold on. Does Maine or California have more coastline? Maine has a longer coastline. Y'all, I am intrigued right now. I'm I'm bamboozled. I feel like I've been led astray, run amok. I don't know. You know my phone I've only been works half the time. Hoodwinked. So. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. look this up afterwards. I bet. All right. But we're, we're what we're really here for today is we watched this documentary, y'all, called Girl in the Picture. Is that what it's called? The Girl yes. in the Picture? It was on the Netflix. The Girl in the Picture, it is trending on Netflix. I've seen so many people talk about it. And so I was like, let's watch it. Let's do it. Basically, the plot summary is a young mother's mysterious death and her son's sub- subsequent kidnapping bl- blow open a decades-long mystery about the woman's true identity and the murderous federal fugitive at the center of it all. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the trailer for you all, okay? In 2000. Dang. Well, that was supposed two, to happen, but A friend there we go. sent me a photograph. It was a picture of a little girl, her father. The more you looked at the picture and the more you looked at her, you could see something was terribly wrong. The only person that knew her real identity was her father. Franklin Floyd had been a fugitive for almost two decades. He robbed a bank. He had a history of violence. He was an expert and concealed his identity. He had a daughter, Sharon Marshall. She wanted to go to Georgia Tech, be an aerospace engineer. I remember the phone call, and she said she was pregnant, but Daddy won't let me go to college now. We discovered that they changed their names. He took her around to strip clubs to make a living for him. There's a big question here. What happened to Sharon Marshall? It's an investigative journalist. You tried to get down to the truth. All this information, very simple to analyze, and we had a real problem. This is more than just a crime story. Who is this girl? She went by many names. We had a portrait of very different people. This beautiful young woman was trapped in evil. She was stuck and didn't know how to get out. What happened? And who the hell is she? That's what the Netflix thing be sounding like. You know what I'm saying? Wild. Da-dum. Yeah, let me tell you something. First and foremost, the people who made Abducted in Plain Sight, y'all remember how crazy that documentary was. Oh, yeah. It's the same people made this documentary. Oh, really? I yes. didn't know that. Um, doesn't make sense now, though, when you think about it, like how they're yes. kind of shot and everything else. Um, 
how crazy was that intro and how crazy is the story? Basically, in a nutshell, there's a guy. His name is Frank. Frank Franklin Floyd. Franklin is not a good guy. A monster. At all. And basically, they're trying to solve a kidnapping of a little boy. Mm-hmm. And a murder of somebody else. Yes. However, it's never that simple, is it? <laughs> you get to one breadcrumb, you find another, and before you know it, it's like a slew of different things. So it, mm-hmm. it almost feels like in this documentary, every corner was like something different was happening. Right. You're like, what there the was, hell? There was a lot. At one point, I was like, I think I'm lost in what's happening. Yes. And I kind of want to, what was your overall, like, how did you feel about the documentary in general? It's about an hour and 50 minutes long. What was your, you know, take on it? Top, if you wanted to you know, score it to 10, you can. How did you feel about the documentary? Mm, I don't necessarily want to score it. Okay. But, um, I mean, it was informative, but I feel like, and it could have been because I wasn't paying attention at some points, but. I felt like I got confused watching it. Like, yeah. wait, who is this? Because these people have changed their names, you know, mm-hmm. they go by different names. There's a lot involved in this case. And so I'm sure it's hard to tell the story, but I, I think they did it to the best that they can. Mm. Okay. I can, uh, it, that's the hardest part really was that the, the girl who they're really looking for went by, many aliases tanya Tanya, and then sharon right yeah went by different aliases Mm -hmm. uh because they were kidnapped when they were younger essentially groomed until they got older and the guy wouldn't marry them even though he was their father figure uh and basically you know like assault them make them strippers to earn the money they would have to do everything for him. Um, they would still call him daddy, which was a very weird thing. Yeah. They had a baby in which he thought the baby was his. Mm-hmm. Turns out the baby was not. You are not the father. Yes. And so when he lost custody of the kid, the kid went into the foster system, foster care system, and, and another uh, family had was getting close to adopting him. So mm-hmm. he's a foster with another family. He's been living with the family. Yeah, he's been living with the family. He's been kind of acclimating with the brothers and sisters. He goes to school one day. Mr. Frank, punk ass, goes to the school, kidnaps the principal and the boy, takes the principal's truck out to the woods, kicks the principal out, ties him to a tree, and duct tapes him his mouth and eyes and everything else. So mm-hmm. they had to find the principal basically butt naked in the forest. Mm-hmm. And the truck is gone. And then when they find... Franklin and they find the truck. The truck has like pornographic images of the little boy and um, what's her name? God, I can't remember her name. Anyway, of the girl, Suzanne. And they're like, "Yo, from the from the pictures, there's no way Suzanne is even alive, right? There, there can't be because it looked like Suzanne got beat on. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they were right." But they had no idea who Suzanne was. They just found her bones and stuff. Yeah. Well, they found her body on the side of the road in Oklahoma. Yes. And the boy they had never found for at least for the time being, they could not find him. 
and Franklin uh, went to prison or whatever. Later on, they end up finding the the boy, or did they find the boy? She, he tells them that they kill him, or that he killed him, two shots to the head, because he wanted to be quick. Then says, I buried his body somewhere along whatever. I think they digged or whatever and couldn't find him. Yeah, I don't think they found him. Right, so maybe he's never been found. But the documentary overall, I ain't going to front, y'all. It was a little tough because I feel like they were going a lot, like, back and forth a lot. Mm -hmm. And then there's one part where they kind of, um, they just, they were dragging points out, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, I think a scene and a point that could have been, that that took 20 minutes to make, they could have made it in 10. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not a fan of that, especially when it comes to documentaries. It's like... I want the story, but I don't want a three-hour story unless every bit of the three hours is just, like, my jaws on the floor. Like, the I want the emotion, but I also just want the story. Like, the, like the film opened up with them saying that somebody, a John, D, a John Doe or Jane Doe, went to the hospital and ended up dying. And then they told the story about her going to the hospital, right? Like, as if it was a mystery. Yeah. And she ended up dying. It's like, yo, you just told us. She went to the hospital and she died. Yeah. So why do I need to listen now to the next 25 minutes of you um, telling us yeah. about she went to the hospital and then at the end of 25 minutes, you revealed that she died. It's mm-hmm. like, yo, in the first five minutes, you told us that. Yeah. So I feel like they did that a lot. I think it could have been like. Like. Better told. Composed better. Yeah. Yeah. Like more concise. Exactly. It could have. But the story is crazy. Wild. And. I think that it's something you should watch like without distractions because there is a lot of back and forth yeah put your phone down put your phone down make like okay when your phone is um like on two percent you need to charge it somewhere else that's when you need to turn this documentary on yeah go right. charge your phone <laughs> turn turn the documentary on and pay attention because it is long but but if you it's also one of them things that if you turn your head for two seconds like you're out of the entire story you got to back up mm-hmm. you know it's like you're studying for for a and P mm-hmm. and you read over the book, somebody distracted you. Now you got to go back and read the two chapters again. That's exactly how I felt in this documentary. Right. Um, but I was still intrigued by the nature of it. And granted, this is, this happened back early in the nineties or whatever. Um, times were different back then. Very different. Like, I'm not saying but... this couldn't happen today. Cause obviously kidnappings and stuff still happen today. But the fact that you were just walking to school, kidnap a principal and a kid. Right. Wow. I mean, Wow. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. She just made a face, y'all. Like, mm, I mean, isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Um, People just walking into schools? Yeah, <laughs> but like kidnapping somebody. So the girl that he that he had kidnapped ended up being Suzanne or Susan. How you say it? Suzanne? Mm-hmm. They were saying Susan. Maybe that was one oh, of her pseudonyms. Susan. But then later at the end, they were saying Suzanne. I think she had the Sharon. craziest. They were calling Sharon. Huh? Suzanne, Sharon, Tanya. What's the girl? Remember they found her body, right? And then they finally were able to ID her. Her last Cheryl. name was like Savik- Savikis. No, her name was Suzanne. Oh, what's Suzanne? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Suzanne, I think her story is the wildest, right? So basically she got kidnapped when she was young. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, pretty much raised by this guy who was telling her that she was her dad. And then they ended up getting married and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. The guy kidnapped her when she was very young. Essentially groomed her so that she would understand that like, oh, I'm your father figure like type of person. Mm -hmm. Also was abusing her. 
ended up marrying her, changing her Forced name. Forced her to marry him, yeah. Exactly. Changing her name, take you know, took her to the strip club, made her be a stripper, all this other stuff, right? And this is like the first person. So this is before he got to the other girl that went to Georgia Tech. Here's the craziest story I feel like we're Su- Suzanne. Suzanne is a daughter to a, uh, a, a dad who was in the military, was in Vietnam, and a mom who seemed to be like a military wife. You know, mm-hmm. they were high school sweethearts, were dated since they were like 15 or 14. They got married immediately after they graduated high school mm-hmm. and had a baby right after that. So she had a baby at like 18, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And she had Suzanne. He went to Nam when, she had, when Suzanne was born and, had, and came back on like a, what do you say, R&R? And was able to see Suzanne after Suzanne was six months old. So he didn't get to see his daughter until she was six months old. Mm -hmm. Then he goes back to Nam and, you know, spends his time in the military. Now, when he's away, Suzanne's mom, Sandra, 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 whatever her name is, she not doing, she not living right. She living foul. She with other men. Mm -hmm. She's talking to another guy. They, and Cliff comes back. The dad comes back. Cliff says, I'm not right. So he's, you know, maybe he's indicating that he's been dealing with some post-traumatic stress or whatever. They end up getting a divorce because she's with the other guy and the other guy gives her two kids. So Suzanne has, that would be like half sisters, right? Yeah. Suzanne has two half sisters. And her mom is now with this other guy and Cliff is now living with his mother and father. Don't got no job. He's like 23. All right. So this is, Long ago. Mm-hmm. Suzanne goes missing. Because Sandra goes to essentially Child Protective Services and says, I can't take care of my kids no more. And they're about to go to a foster home. So they tell Cliff, hey, you can adopt these kids because, you know, Suzanne's yours, but we want them all to stay together so you can adopt these kids. Right. But Cliff is like making the toughest decision of his life because he's like, I'm not in no position to raise these kids, live with my parents, I don't got no job. Right. So he's like, you got to give them to the system. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold. Wait, can we talk about how the mom went to CPS and said, I need y'all to take my kids because I'm not doing well? And they said, you need to go to church. Go to church. They did say that. They said, go to church, you'll feel better. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> if you're scared, go to church, get a dog. That's what my old football coach used to say. If you're scared, go to church, get a dog. Oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> uh, but may, I mean, we got to think back then, you know, there was like mental health resources is not really a thing because right. Which, like, if you did I have get, mental health issues, you probably go into, you know, some sort of asylum. Right. And I me saying that was not a slight at the church or anything, but like, I'm telling you, I can't take care of my kids. I don't think prayer is going to help me in right now, you know? Right. Right. Like I need somebody to take my children from me because I'm a a harm to them and myself. Facts. And that's how Franklin gets in. Yeah. That's how Franklin gets Suzanne. Sickening. But check this out. Sandra don't never like, she don't never really check in for Suzanne or nobody. Didn't she go to jail? Oh, she went to jail for like a couple of weeks because she wrote a hot check. Yeah. But other than that, like 
she never years and years and years go by she never checked in yeah never wanted to see nothing never wanted to know nothing nothing like that but when they came when they had figured out they had found suzanne's body and they identified this person and they said oh we found her parents both of them are still alive and they went to her she was immediately like oh that's suzanne <laughs> what the heck yeah like how did you immediately know also suzanne was 20 when she died yes Everything that we've young. been saying that happened to her, she was twenty when she died. It's this is just a wild, wild story. Basically, the so guy much in such a little was a serial rapist. He's a serial killer. Yeah, he would take people, assault them, basically give them Stockholm syndrome, force them to marry him, you know, and then kill him. Anybody who essentially got on his bad side, and I mean, lucky the principal, lucky, honestly. Yeah, honestly, though, the principal got out smooth because, bro, he got a streak. If he was willing to put two in the back of a kid's head, he would have smooth ducked you off, right? So he got lucky, but anyway, which so, got me thinking, like, go ahead, which was that? So he's currently serving life sentence, so he's alive, yes, and he is currently in prison. Serving a life sentence. Straight narcissist. If you ask him, he still don't think he did nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Trash person. But do you think a life sentence is enough? Um, Man. We're about to go deep here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The pool was two feet, but now I'm stepping into the 13. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're about to play some water polo. Dive in. <sighs> no. No. I, maybe the answer is not just no. Right. Explain. I feel because me personally, and this is my own personal take, I have always been back and forth with the death penalty. Okay. Hot take, hot take. Always been back and forth with the death penalty. Let me explain why. These same people that will tell you that they are pro-life are willing to take life away. And we'll go, can we just stop and think about how weird this is just for a moment, just real quick. Somebody can be put to get to death in what now they say is a humane way. What does that mean? You're still killing someone. Thank you. And there's a gallery where you can watch. How sick is that? You can watch somebody be killed. Whether they I like are being the way you die, boy. Whether they are being killed by the state or somebody else, you are you came to watch them be killed. Yeah. And and trying to say that you justify it by whatever means it is. So I have always felt a way about the death penalty. How can you say that it's okay for somebody to take a life for whatever reason and then not say it's okay for a mother to do the same when her pregnancy may be going bad. The juxtaposition is hard for me. However, yeah, that's just a hot take. Just doing life also doesn't seem fair 
when you have taken a life. Several lives. Several lives. In a brutal way. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Torture sounds nice. <laughs> like uh, waterboarding? I need more than that. Torture sounds nice. I need... I, I we would need rather, Huck from uh, oh, Scandal. Oh, yeah. Huck need to be there. But it has to be something that's like, I mean, for I need you to be tormented for the rest of your life. Right. Meaning, if you take your own life, whatever. But the but the torment that you cause by taking a life, meaning you ended somebody else's and you have affected others, you got to feel that. So I don't know. Because most people will be like, you're sick for allowing torture. Well, we all experience pain and we will all experience death. But is everything an eye for an eye? Right? Because if, yeah. if we move to, if I broke your leg, are you going to break mine? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if we not go into everything's eye for an eye thing, then I got to fathom that there should be maybe, what's more humane? What's more whatever? Me being able to end your life or me coming to your cell every week and fucking you up. They're both not humane. That's true. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So I just don't know. Something to me feels like serving a life sentence doesn't feel fair, but killing them also doesn't feel fair. Right. That's kind of how I feel. Like you just like, what do we do? Yeah, I agree with what everything you said about like, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem fair to kill them because then what? And then, but it doesn't seem like a lifetime sentence is enough. For sure. But uh, even so, maybe we get to the point where it's like, you got to find people, you got to fend for yourself. You chose to take a life, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about somebody who like, we're talking about like, manslaughter, it was an accident, something happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you do your time for that. But I'm talking about intentional murders, Okay, now you are at the mercy of the people. Meaning, taxpayers are not about to pay for your food and everything else. Right. You better find somebody who's willing to supply you food every day. 100%. Oh, that's good. They do that in St. Kitts. That's the only reason I know that. Oh, really? Yeah, we drove past it. I was in St. Kitts one time. And we drove past this establishment and they were outside like farming and stuff, but they were all wearing very kind of like similar uniforms. So I'm like, what is that? And, you know, thinking that's like maybe like the some sort of farming yeah. uh, group Business, or something. Yeah. yeah. They were like, oh, no, that's the jail. That's yeah. the prison. I said, for real? He's like, yeah, not a lot of people go there because we want to do a lot of crime because uh, in St. Kitts, if you do a crime, the the only way you're going to eat and stuff is if a family member or somebody brings you food. Dang. You know what's unfortunate, though, is if we had a system like that, Chris Watts would be well-fed. Oh, for sure. For sure. There would be a lot of people who would be, I mean, you know, Manson. It would be a lot of people who would be well-fed. But even that, it's just we live in a sick world is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we do. As great as the world is that we live in a sick world where you have people who would would overwhelmingly feed Chris Watts. We live in a world where I don't care what you say Taking a life is weird, fam. It is weird. It is weird that the that the government could charge you for murder and then kill you. That they can say, well, we can kill you, 
but you can't kill other people. Right. Well, and I think that where I struggle with that is that like Just Mercy, the movie Just Mercy. There are so many people who are have died that were not guilty of the crime that they were charged. Right. Like um, wrongful deaths or wrongful, wrongful convictions. convictions. Yeah. 100%. So it's like, how do we ever really truly know? Except in situations like Frank. Like that's like where you know. Yeah. You know 100%. Yeah. There ain't no appeals or nothing like that that he can do. It's, it's locked, loaded, and sealed. That this man is the culprit of this of this crime. Absolutely. But in a lot of other situations, because we also know that this corruption exists in a lot of everything, especially in our prison systems, in our justice system. So I don't know. It's just, I, my stance for murder in general uh, and the death penalty is is always going to be tough because of the juxtaposition of abortion. It's interesting. And like, a, if you really want to say a life is a life, even if it means that this person chose to throw their life away, does it mean that you were able to kill them? Who are you to play God? Boom. And if that is the case, and I'm okay with dying, right? Then who are you to judge me if I wanted to kill somebody else? I'm going to take my punishment. Hmm. So, um, sorry, we went a little, no, no, that's great. Speaking of like a sick world and how we just, it's a sick world with sick sick, people. It is. It is. Do you think that you have to be sick to commit these types of crimes? No, no. Easy. That's easy. And for everybody out there, it's like when something happens, they immediately go to, you know, the, there's something wrong with him. He has to have a mental illness. No, you do not. Well, let me let y'all in on a little something. Before me and Corey were dating, um, we oh. were Snapchatting, and we somehow got into a conversation. Was it or Snapchat? Of, it was Snapchat. We somehow got into a conversation of um, people claiming insanity. Oh yeah. When you know they're going on trial, and I've always been of the notion that like. I get that there's like mental illnesses, but I also don't think that you're right in the head for you to do these sick, tormenting things. And Corey doesn't agree. So, well, I, for a couple of reasons, especially when it comes to pleading insanity. First off, people don't understand how hard it is to not only plead insanity, but be granted that well no 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 what i was saying is i don't think that people should be able to claim insanity because obviously you did some foul stuff right 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 for sure but then here's what i recognize we have crimes of passion things that happen we have have you ever had a moment where you were so emotional and emboldened to do something and you really want to do it but then you don't do it Yes. That's what makes you think that everybody has that capacity. Not everybody has that capacity. Sometimes there are things in your brain or issues with your brain that are telling you to do other things. I'll give you a perfect example. And you will start to see this a lot and a lot more with NFL players, specifically the older ones, but they tend to now, you know, just kind of uh, kill themselves. They get CTE 
And as the whole literal hole in their brain starts to grow, they become more aggressive. They have less inhibitions. And a lot of the their family members will tell you, towards the end of their life, they were very angry, aggressive, and were outside of their character. Oh, I'm so sorry, y'all. Anyway, we're outside of their character. Hmm. Interesting. So it's not for me, it's not outside of the realm for somebody to have a moment, a brief moment, whether it be a brief moment of I don't want to call it insanity, but I'm going to say insanity for lack of better terms, a brief moment of insanity or is in some sort of um, lucid state. Sleepwalking. There's a there's a case on Netflix right now that I watched a documentary about somebody who uh, committed a murder, a murder and was talking about doing it while they're sleeping. We've seen cases of people sleepwalking. You have no idea what you're doing. That can happen in a rage. Hmm. Delirium can happen. Excited delirium can happen. You have no idea what just happened. Or let's talk about under the influence. You've been under the influence before. Yes. People can feel that way. I'm not saying that they're under the influence. They'd still be charged with murder and it doesn't matter. You made the choice to get you know, drunk or whatever. But people can feel that way without being on drugs. There are mental illnesses that can mimic those exact things. Hmm. So if I you're mean, going to... Yeah. But, okay, so why do you think that somebody can commit these, cri- these crimes and not be sick in the head? Because we're... And, okay. When you think about everybody being... Murder is not like... Um, how do I say this? I'm going to liken it to cheating. Okay, real quick. What makes marriage special is the monogamy, right? Mm-hmm. Is that pretty much with all of the temptation and titillation, the your partner doesn't cheat. Right. Right? Because the innateness to our animal being is to do so. We've had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Killing, while it may not be like a a number one thing that you want to kill every day, right? People are capable of it because we're beings that want to survive. We're animals that want to survive. So there, that's why we have a response. Flight, fright, flight, fr- fight, freeze, right? We have responses. We will, in protection sometimes, do things that we would probably never do in real life. Like if we were like, in, like just saying. So my point is that we have the capacity to do so, right? Yeah. I mean, we have the capacity, but. Right. And because we have the capacity, we behave and it happens all the time. So if this was something that if murder was something that we had the capacity to do, but we didn't do it. I would be more on, more inclined to think that the person would have to be crazy to do it. But I get on Twitter every day. I look at the uh, Dallas police scanner every day. And all I see is last night, the police responded to five different murders. People murder every single day. Yeah, but the people that are doing the murdering have something wrong with them. No, they don't. They are just behaving. They're something wrong. Like not when I say something wrong or sick, I mean like mental illness sick. You don't have to be, have a mental illness to be a murderer, to be a molester or something like that. I'm saying 
If there's something wrong with them, maybe they're needing something. Maybe they're lacking one of their hierarchy of needs. Maybe they're not feeling the love. Hurt people hurt people, but that's not hurt people aren't sick people. Does that make sense? I mean, that makes sense. I just... You know, like sometimes I just don't it just, know. you really I don't feel know if like I, if I'm with you on that, you feel like it's just be OK. So you have to just look at murder as a behavior. We have also just been we've likened it to being something so uh, independent because we have grown up in our culture to, to think that it's not something that happens all the time when it actually is. But if you look at other people like in other countries who are always and constantly in like some sort of war and you're looking at like children who are in militias. And children are out here killing because they've been raised to do that. Mm -hmm. They don't see it as no different. They literally see it as surviving, right? Because it's a tool that we can use to push our vehicles forward. So typically in westernized culture, are we talking about like something in America? Yeah. The person is probably hurt or trying to get out of a situation. Think about it. In the episode of... um, In the episode of American Horror Stories, the second episode with the Ring app. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Why did he kill his wife? Because she was pregnant. And he didn't want what wasn't part of the plan. He didn't want the baby, right? Yeah. He saw an opportunity, right? That was an opportunistic kill. While he is a That's murderer, true. do you see how his situation put him in a per- it heightened his opportunity? And so he took advantage of that opportunity. That's true. Where on a random day he would not have. He loved her, apparently. That's what I'm trying to say. And then he he goes on later to have a, a relationship with somebody else and be married or whatever with somebody else. And you would never think he had a mental illness or that he was sick. Yeah. He, this true. man saw, and he was trying to kill her, right? That's Why? True. Because she figured it out. Now it's like, okay, here's an opportunity. I got I have the problem that I have to fix if I want to preserve myself. You see, you see where I'm yeah, going? Yeah, I do agree with that one. That's what I'm saying. So when we talk about crimes in general, they're typically happening in places where people have needs and the needs aren't being met. And we know that. Educated people know that. Educated people understand the disparities right. and why crime happens and where crime happens. So, oh, but the rich neighborhoods don't have crime. No, first off, they do crime. They do crime behind the walls. Yeah. That's what you don't know. They stealing your money and stealing other people's White money. Collar. Yeah, they doing them type of... They got, the, they got the bracket to be up there. So they don't <laughs> have to go into the, the stores and loot or nothing like that. Right. Crime is happening where need is not being met. That's true. Okay. And where opportunity meets, you know, uh, preservation. <clears throat> so that's why I feel that way. So I hate when people are automatically like, oh, he must have a mental illness. It's like, no, bro. Some people just want to lash out because of certain things. The guy who talked about, um, you know, the Buffalo shooter. Mm-hmm. Oh, was he sick? He might've had a, what they like to say, a couple of screws loose, but he wholeheartedly believed that his race was being wiped, wiped out. That's true. He wanted to what? Preserve. Okay. When you put it like that, that's that's it. So either way, I think that it's um stupid. Yeah. I hate it. And um I don't know, today I was on the um sex sex offender registry like around our area just looking up people. Mm-hmm. 
And it was very interesting what I found. Is there anybody in our apartment? No. There's okay. somebody across the street, though, and then somebody over on Skillman. But it's not a lot of people in this area. Now, you cross Dallas North Tollway, mm-hmm. it is like the, the, the campus just lit up. I was clicking really? on everybody. It's crazy. But across the, the tollway, where are we at? We pretty much were moving to the lower income area. Yeah, that's true. You see what I'm saying? It's so wild when you can see, when you can look on a map and see the disparities in our in our society. But I was clicking on people and just reading like what their crimes were, you know, how much time they got, um, things of that nature, you know, how mm-hmm. old they were and everything else. Bruh, when I tell you, I'm sorry, when I tell you, I saw maybe about six women, females. Um, they were all, except one, um, Hispanic, but their race was white. And none of them did jail time. Really? None of them did jail time. They were all on probation. I also saw a white guy, non-Hispanic white guy, 10 years probation, no jail time. The rest of them were minorities, all did jail time. Mm. Interesting. And I feel like some of them were lesser. There's no such thing as lesser, honestly. But by the when I say this, by the law, there's like child sexual assault, and then there's like aggravated sexual assault mm-hmm. or whatever. The, the, the guy that didn't serve any time had aggravated sexual assault of a child. Mm. Didn't serve no time. Sick. The other ones had what seemed to be lesser charges and went to prison. But I implore you, it does, doesn't it? Uh, It makes me sick when you do anything to anybody, but specifically, specifically like children and uh, geriatrics because they're so vulnerable. Like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, But anybody really just pisses me off, but it definitely pisses me off for those two groups. Um, But I implore you, um, hey, it's part of the law. So look up the people in your area, know where they live. Know why they're in there. The The registry will tell you if they're a low risk, high risk, or medium risk, or no risk. Um, all of that stuff. It's just good to know what's up. Mm-hmm. So you can just type in sex offender registry, whatever your state is. You can type in your address. It'll show you a little bubble, and you can, you can scroll out and do whatever you need to do. Um, but I love a national database. I know. I love a I've national database. I've been on that website before. And, I mean, I feel like that should be able. you should be able to do that for multiple things. Yeah, it makes sense for sex offenders because, especially when you're around children, because you got to know about school districts and everything else. Mm-hmm. Or if you're having kids, like for instance, there's no way I'm, um, living across the Dallas North Tollway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Don't even look over there. Right. <laughs> if we get a realtor, don't look over there. Right. Um, but you know, it's good to know what's up in the areas that maybe you should be able to to be in. Um, that's also not to say that these people aren't humans and and you know they have bad behavior or they had bad behavior. And we should also still treat them as humans. But at the same time, they're going to always have to atone for their sin. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I say all that. The reason why I say that is I believe that there is rehabilitation in society. There's an opportunity to help people out to be better than what they were and they are. um, And I wholeheartedly believe that. And that does not mean that these people, what these people did is not sick. And what, you know, if they still doing it, they still are sick. Um, but as long as you're alive, I think that you have an opportunity to be better. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Maybe I'm a uh, optimist, and mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a realist and an optimist. optimist. Yeah. Okay. 
I thought that too. Anytime somebody says like I'm an optimist or whatever, I sing that. Um, my last question is, and this is a tough one for you, but there was a there was a, a moment where um Suzanne and her friend were at the house and her friend was detailing how Suzanne was being assaulted over and over again. And Suzanne told her friend, Hey, don't tell nobody. I know I know you saw what you saw. But it's okay. Daddy just gets like this sometimes. It is what it is. Don't say nothing. She never told anybody until the documentary. And was that the friend or was that her sister? Or I think it was her friend. Hmm. Whether it be her friend or her sister, do you feel a way about her not saying nothing? About saying what she saw? Yeah, about not telling anybody yeah. that I saw this person be... I mean, from the outside looking in, I can say, oh, my gosh, why didn't you tell someone? Or I can't believe you let this happen now. Look, but when I think about that in this situation, I'm sure it was very traumatic and I'm sure she was scared out of her mind. For sure. For sure. And I feel the same way. And the reason why I even brought this up is because I wanted to talk about like, I've legitimately been in this situation actually a couple of times where people have divulged information to me, very sensitive information, stuff like this, and have asked me not to say anything. And I, of course, the the fiber in my being is like, I need to tell somebody because mm-hmm. you're in danger. Mm-hmm. But you really have to respect people's, especially survivors, wishes yeah really gotta give them the power back to be able to have control over their life and if if anybody they can trust they trust you you cannot break that trust that's a tough tough situation to be. it in. is it's tough but you there you know what i'm saying yeah and it's not like um you know it was a crime that like you witnessed a crime to where like you're going to be like found culpable that's different right you know, you if I'm there and you murder somebody, I'm snitching, fam. I'm snitching. I'm a taxpaying citizen. I'm not going to prison. It was him. <laughs> uh, get me in there. I'm going to start singing like, Nyidra. Nah, I'm not playing. I'm snitching if you do a crime in front of me. This is a PSA to everybody out there. Don't do no crimes in front of me, yeah, fam. Because you will go down. Uh, you Listen, I'm singing like a bird, like Brian McKnight, okay? I'm not playing. But if it's something where you you tell me a secret or something that you need to get off your chest, but you can trust me with the information, nobody knows. Katie gets mad at me sometimes for not telling her stuff until something happens. I'm like, I know. And she's like, why? Well, you didn't tell me? And I'm like, this person told me not to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And I take that very seriously. And that may just be my counseling background, but I just believe that it's super important that if somebody entrusts you with their information... You hold that. For sure. Take it to the gray. When I die, I can't take it to the gray. Um, all right. Uh, I don't want to get too much more heavy in this, but I think that you all, if you like true crime, go watch this uh, documentary. Stay tuned into it. And then kind of, you know, if anything makes you mad or whatever, let us know. Hit us at contact at pressnextpodcast.com. Uh, Why do I always mess that up? Contact at pressnextpodcast.com. Hit us on IG. You can hit us on Reels. You can hit my cell phone at um, 281-330-3300. Nope. 
8004. That's my cell phone number. Hit me up on the low. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you text me, ask for Mike Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to play a game? Yeah, let's play a game. All right, cool. Uh, this game is for Katie. It is also for you all. So if you know it, if you are sitting in the car driving by yourself or with your family, if you're at work, say it out loud. Get that answer. Take a guess. Take a swing. See how you are doing. All right, here we go. In the film industry. Well, let me explain to those who haven't heard. We play a game where I give out a film industry term. Katie guesses it and sees if she can, she can get it right. So what is a static shot in the film industry I'm gonna say a static shot is where also known as locked off okay I'm gonna say it's where the main focus stays still but everything is moving around it I hate I feel that like, you always get half right. I was about to say, I feel like that was wrong, but you're I giving it to me, like, but okay. I feel like you always get it half right, and I can't... If you get it half right, I'm like one of them teachers that I'm going to get you... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got it right, technically. You get a half a point. You know what I'm saying? So, basically, a static shot or a locked-off shot is this. So, when you're watching a movie, you will see a lot of movement and a lot of camera movement. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. They'll put a camera on a crane... You know, they'll have a gimbal. People are following you or whatever. A static shot or a locked off shot is where the camera does not move. The camera is on a um, tripod. It doesn't move. When you're watching documentaries and the camera ain't moving because mm-hmm. it's on tripod, that's a static shot. It's locked okay. off. Now, there are reasons why actually I believe static shots are very powerful shots in movies, but people think that you're an amateur. If you show up to a shoot or like a video shoot with a uh, tripod. Really? Because they think you're just like, oh, I'm just about to set up the camera and then that's it. Huh. But here's what they don't understand. Everything the camera does is supposed to capture something and relay a message. Right? hmm So if the camera is still, I need to be either incorporating movement with my talent or incorporating the emotion of stillness. It's not a lot going on. Because, let me tell you the most important thing. Camera movement is will really relay a feeling. Right? Yeah. So if I'm always moving my camera, how, do, how are you ever supposed to know what you're supposed to feel? So static shots, I think, are important. Very important. Mm, okay. So if you ever watch Mad Men, you, ever, you see Mad Men? I don't think so. Okay, so if you ever watch Mad Men, they no, do a fantastic job of this. If you if you've watched it, I bet you didn't notice notice this. The shots are always locked off and the camera only moves if a character is moving. Ooh, interesting. If a characters are not moving, the camera doesn't move. That's interesting. I'm gonna have to look for that now. Look at it. Because I don't I mean, besides the documentary, I don't know when else I've seen that, but Sometimes you'll see it a lot in like talking scenes. You'll see something Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a locked Mm -hmm. off shot. But there's another movie, um, it's it's a I forgot what the movie's called. The entire movie is locked off shots. Oh. Incredible. Incredible. Interesting. Entire movie is static shots. Uh but anyway, let's get to question two. You should know this because we talked about this before. I know. Okay. But I don't In think the I do. movie industry, in the film industry, the wonderful Hollywood Holly Hollywood, Hollywood swinging. What 
is a Dutch angle. Okay, I am so upset because we talk about this all the time and I, for the life of me, cannot remember. But I'm going to say a Dutch angle is where the camera moves to make you feel like the... It's camera movement, obviously. <laughs> Dead jingle. Um, it spins. I don't know. Okay. You get nothing. You lose. <laughs> you lose. Good day, sir. Still bad in 500. Okay, so I'll just read this real quick. So, and I'll give you an example. The Dutch angle, also known as the Dutch tilt. Is a type of camera shot which involves setting the camera at an angle on a roll axis. So, if you know anything about kind of what it means to roll or or um, to pan something, pan is like when you go like this. So you're able, if you were to hold your neck still and look to the left, you know, that's panning. When you go like this, I'm sorry, yeah, they can't see that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like, they don't <laughs> be able to see that. So let me explain it real quick. So panning would be like when you take a panoramic picture. Mm-hmm, you know, you gotta mm-hmm. hold the thing in the center from that's, left to right. Yeah. Right. Rolling would be kind of what it sounds like. You're rolling something over. You're rolling mm-hmm. your wrist over, rolling your ball over, rolling your head. So when you typically they just tilt it a little bit. So most cameras are level and they will take the angle and they will tilt it to a different side or whatever. Uh, it produces like essentially the viewpoint. Imagine if you were tilting your head to the side. Like if you're looking at something and you tilt your head to the side, like what the okay. hell just happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now the re- the primary use of the Dutch angle is to cause a sense of unease or disorientation for the viewer. Yes. Okay. That's what I was trying to explain. That's yes. why I was just like, it spins because I was, I was picturing a scene from like a Hitchcock movie mm-hmm. where. Oh, Hitchcock definitely uses a bunch yes. of, a, a lot of old movies will use Dutch angles to portray like that disorientation. Right. Um, I was specifically thinking vertigo. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, oh my God. So many Dutch angles in vertigo. Yeah. So I. I knew it. I just didn't know. And it. look, <laughs> look what the next uh, sentence says. This next sentence says Dutch angles are often static shots. Wow. Look, and I didn't even see that until just now. So interesting. That's crazy. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's easier to just hold that way. It can imagine you can be like tilting it and shaking the camera. That's probably crazy. Right. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Dutch angle. When used right, it can really throw you out. It can almost make you feel nauseated. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it'll make you feel sick. But, um, yeah, so when y'all are watching TV shows, documentaries, or movies this week, um, see if you can can spot, a Dutch, spot a Dutch angle or see if you can spot, like, oh, this is a static shot because the camera's not moving, um, you know, but everything else is. Or see if you can spot, like, the camera movement. Sometimes you'll see something's happening. This is one of my favorite things because it takes a lot of skill there'll be like a really commotion scene and it seems like the camera's locked off, but the camera starts kind of like shaking Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, you feel like, Oh, this is such a rocky scene. It's chaotic. Yes. And that's the camera operator doing that. Yeah. How incredible is that? Right. But you have to write that into the script. I know. I, I always think it's really cool when I notice something in a movie that makes me feel something. And I know that it's from the camera work. Right. Which is just, just, it's incredible film is just amazing and the well, stories and I think are it's great just so cool doing this game how we've talked about uh like sound and lights and the camera movement and how it all works together like 
actors and actresses, they do their thing. But behind the scenes go like it involves so much to make you feel something. For sure. Did I tell you about Nope? What? About the day for night? Mm-mm. Okay. We went to go see Nope, y'all. And the entire movie is pretty much shot at night. Right? Mm-hmm. It's very dark. What if I told you there was no scene that was shot at night? Really? Zero. So, I'm giving it away, but I should have used it as an industry term. It's called day for night. And what they do is they will shoot during the daytime, but they will color it and use techniques to make it look like it's night. Mm. Wild. But the way that Jordan Peele did it was ingenious. Because the clouds, which is a very important part of the plot have to be prominent in this movie. Right. They're never prominent at night. You go outside at night, you're not seeing clouds like you're going to see a nope. Right. But you will midday. Unless it's a stormy night. Right. But these aren't storm clouds. Right. But you will midday. So this felt like a night you've never seen before. Mm. And they shot it on actual film, on an IMAX camera film. So this isn't digital film. This is actual film. With a special rig where they also use infrared film. Mm. Wild. And then go back in, you color it in CG, CGI and other things that make That's it feel really like cool. night. That's really cool. Interesting. Cool. And then you have no idea. You've watched the whole film. You think they're shooting at night. That's true. But they never did. <laughs> they shot during the day. That's cool. It makes me want to go practice some day for night. I'm probably going to do that. Let's do it. Do my thing. Um, thank y'all for staying around. Thank y'all for listening. We love y'all so much. You know what yes. it is. Yes. If you're watching TV and ask, are you still watching? Always press next. See y'all next week.